Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my god, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. Hello, kitties. Are you ready to kill some krites? Well, if so, then welcome back to the fourth episode of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Where, if it was possible, I know I'd definitely shapeshift into a hot blonde with big boobies. Just so I could kill some more krites. So welcome back, everyone. Um, A quick note to all those who... uh, had great things about uh, great things to say, I should say, about last week's episode. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and enjoying my uh, solo episode about one of my favorite films, uh, the Catherine Isabel flick Thirteen Eerie. Um, this week, I won't be flying solo. Instead, I uh, I managed to uh, pay off a really good friend of mine. No, I didn't pay. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, a good friend of mine will be joining the show to discuss a classic flick from our childhood, uh, the sequel to the hit horror comedy Critters. Yes, I am uh, talking about Critters 2, the main course. But first, uh, just a few things to unleash from the hell spawn that is the horror news. Um, there's a few things I wanted to just announce. Uh, First off, so it seems the horror streaming app Shudder uh, will be expanding its library yet again this uh, Monday, February 26th. 
with a title known as Night of it's Night of Something Strange. Uh, the Facebook page for the film uh, Night of Something Strange shared an image this past Saturday alerting the public of such. And from the sounds of it, this could be a fun little ditty of a film. Synopsis for it basically was teenage friends out for beach week get unexpectedly detoured to a isolated motel where a deadly STD virus now runs rampant, turning those infected into the living dead. Uh, directed by Jonathan Strayton, who was also involved in a project known as Lights Camera Dead. This looks like it could be a whole bunch of bloody fun. I know IMDB has it rated under 5, but who gives a shit what they think? <laughs> I'm personally tired of it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, IMDB is actually pretty good for ratings. I'll, I'll give them that much. A lot of the times because it's, you know, fans that are rating the movie, so um, most of the time that's pretty good. Uh, especially in terms of horror films, because horror films usually get rated a lot lower than uh, than the blockbusters. I'm still thinking this could be another fun ride in the zombie genre, so I'll be checking it out. I know I will be, like, for sure, definitely checking it out. Uh, last week's Shudder also added two classic Dario Argento films, uh, Phenomena and Tenebrae. I've personally already watched both, and they look fantastic. Uh, beautiful, crisp 1080p editions of each film are available for streaming. And trust me, it's definitely worth checking them out. Oh, the memories. Actually, Tenebrae, I I thought I had seen it before, but I hadn't. Um, well, at least watching it, I was like, huh, I don't remember this one. Uh, but Phenomena, yeah, I, I've seen Phenomena quite a few times. So, And in keeping with horror movies, which is basically what this podcast is about anyways, Arrow Video announced a few new titles this past week. They'll be releasing in uh, the near future. One of them being the original Last House on the Left, which I talked about last episode. Uh, three cuts of the film will be released in the upcoming Blu-ray edition. That will include a uh, restoration upgrade from the 2K version, commentaries, deleted scenes, and additional featurettes as well. Uh, also announced this week was the classic Rawhide Rex. Funny thing though, like both films can already be purchased on Blu-ray, but if you know anything about Arrow releases, uh, they uh, they're good at putting together like uh, like good Blu-ray releases uh, with the highest, utmost passion and detail. So it just might be worth investing in Last House on the Left, especially if you don't already own it, and if you can handle the imagery. Of course, it is. Like I said last week, I mean, in terms of comparing it to movies today, maybe it's not as brutal as it seemed, but I mean, it's a brutal film. I, I don't want to take away from it. It's it's rough watching sometimes. Um, in terms of music, uh, big announcement, big announcement. Waxwork Records. Okay, so they may already be out of stock as a latest release. Uh, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. It was sold out in 24 hours. It was gone. I even lost out on it. I was waiting for payday and big mistake. I should have just sucked it up. But anyways, it doesn't end there. Uh, announced earlier today. 
a newly remastered release of the score for the TV miniseries Stephen King's It, the uh, two-parter from 1990, will be making its way to vinyl in the very near future. Not many details were given as of yet, but they did post to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook that the soundtrack was coming, uh, basically with the caption, Y'all, coming soon. And finally, I'm adding one more bit of news. Tonight, as I'm recording this, Sunday, February 25th, both The Walking Dead and Ash vs. Evil Dead are returning to the airwaves, and me personally... I couldn't be more excited. Uh, From what I've heard, early viewings of Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3 Episode 1 were met with great applause as fans were clamoring over the return of the show. So uh, I can't wait to dig into it. I'm looking forward to it. And before we get into the meat of this week's episode, just a quick recommendation, something I happened to uh, watch just today for the first time and I wanted to share it with everyone because I think it's something that a lot of people would enjoy a uh, documentary known as Adjust Your Tracking the untold story of VHS collecting really good really good Uh, it's a documentary from 2013 basically about the craze that is VHS collecting and the nostalgia that comes with the VHS tapes Uh, talking about the box art the love of seeing so many great films on the once very dominant format and how many VHS collectors feel it will never truly die out. The funny thing about watching that was like, I've got a small collection. I think I have about maybe 200 VHS tapes, but I thought I was doing pretty good. And then I watched this (laughs) and there's people on there that have like 22,000 VHS tapes. One guy had, I think, close to like 50,000 of them. It was like, fuck. Just when I thought I was doing good. Haha, <laughs> not. But whatever. You know what? I love the ones I have. I have like um, the full five tape collection of Freddy's Nightmares that was released in North America. I'm happy with that. And I have like all three Evil Dead movies. Um, I've got the two tape Woodstock documentary from like Woodstock 69. I watched that one a lot actually. I have it also on digital, but yeah. And I have Howard the Duck. Okay, moving on. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, this week's feature presentation. Joined by my very close friend, Jeff, we take a dive into the world of critters, practical effects, and possibilities that are limitless with a future TV production featuring the lovable Krites. And, well, we kind of talk about everything else as well. So get ready to sit back and listen to two nerds reminisce and lament their love for this week's main course. Of course, I'm talking about Critters 2, the main course. When we return. Grover's Bend. It's just a speck on the map of the universe. Transform. They get a different class of tourist here. Company's coming. Noisier. Pushier. They're turning this peaceful little town. Oh. 
you. We need a sheriff. Go check the elevator. Those hungry hairballs from outer space are on a roll. Let's just get help. Oh, who are we gonna call? Critter Busters? And they'll eat anything. We're gonna end up tomorrow's leftovers. There must be hundreds of them. Critters 2, the main course. You got nothing to lose but your life. All right, welcome back, everyone. And we are back, and this time when I say we... I don't just mean me and my multiple personalities. This week I've brought in a guest to uh, talk about this week's movie, which is Critters 2. We'll be kind of Critters 1 as well, I think, but whatever. Um, everyone, meet Jeff. Hey, everyone. So uh, he's a longtime movie enthusiast, longtime friend, horror nerd, comic book nerd. We're just nerds in general. All around nerd. Bigger nerd than Eddie Deason. Yeah, Eddie Deason. Yeah, he was fun. He's fun in this movie. Um, quickly, just get through the quick details. Critters Two was directed by Mick Garris, written by David Tui and Mick Garris, produced by Daryl Cost, Barry Oper, and Robert Shea. Robert Shea, a lot of you would know, uh, responsible for pretty much every Nightmare on Elm Street you ever knew. Music by Nicholas Pike, who also did the Freddy's Nightmares uh, theme song, the TV show. And the movie starred Scott Grimes, who had a resume a lot bigger than I expected. Um, Everything from Critters, ER, Party of Five, Crimson Tide, Dexter, The Orville, you name it, he's been on it. I was unaware of this. (laughs) Yeah, big name, apparently. Yeah, like, well, like I was saying to you, uh, you know, prior to recording, I... When I saw Critters and Critters 2 and he was in it, the only thing I knew him from was some cheesy TV movie. It came upon a midnight clear with R- Mickey Rooney. Um, I didn't realize he continued after this. And big time. I mean, he's done a lot of voice acting too. He's a yeah. regular on American Dad. and Yeah. It's just, I mean, there's so many things he's done. It's just his his IMDb page is like, would kill my data if I decided to use data to get it. <laughs> right? Like, I know, I, I was stunned i didn't realize he kept acting it was like holy shit and, and he's still going yeah and i mean like i haven't watched the orville yet but i know a lot of people that follow that show and apparently he's a big character on there so who knew um other actors involved in critters 2 were uh terrence mann who was ug uh <laughs> don keith oper cynthia garris leanne curtis uh douglas rowe sam anderson barry corbin and as you mentioned eddie Deason. So, uh, I don't know, um, first memories of the, f- of the film for you, uh, Critters two, come on, giant critter ball. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing everyone seems to remember from Critters two is a giant ball of critters rolling down, rolls yeah. over a person. There's a skeleton left on the ground. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Or when they get stepped on, they're oozing green. Uh, well, you know, which was kind of funny in uh, I believe it was actually Critters 2 where the one uh, where the critter is in the girl's bedroom while she's sleeping on the bed and the father steps on him. 
Yeah. And he turns into big green goop. And it's like, they were that easy to kill, (laughs) but we struggled with them. (laughs) Well, to be fair, not too many people were actually stepping on him. Even in the first movie, the the whole thing was, is they were on the attack. They were the ones moving. So you never really had that opportunity. Right. Right. So, I mean, if they were squishy, to use the term, um, you know, you wouldn't really know that when they're, you know, sitting there chewing apart your, your belly. Mm hmm. I think for me, the first memory I have of Critters is uh, the VHS box art. Uh, Growing up as a kid with VHS tapes and video stores and whatnot, the box art, just seeing the little critter, you know, it just, it always, it's a memory that I constantly have, always seeing that movie sitting on the, on the shelf. Um, And at a time when we had gremlins, we had ghoulies, um, I think even munchies, (laughs) like we had like all these different little creature movies coming out and oh, all over, but yeah. critters for some reason that box art always like stood out That's... it did it did stand out now that wasn't actually my first exposure to critters um so when i was young me and uh the neighborhood kids we would have sleepovers mm-hmm. and uh we would watch movies all night long and i mean all oh, night yeah. long and i mean we'd watch we'd watch nightmare on elm street friday the 13th and yes, critters. <laughs> you probably also remember, like as a kid growing up, like, we- whoa. <laughs> okay, for those of you who just heard that, his phone went off. <laughs> um, but no, like I mean, I for me, I remember doing like the all nighters with my friends and whatnot, and um, like cable TV always had like the worst movies, and then somehow or another, critters just managed to be in the middle of all of that. I, I honestly think they considered it like a, a, a bad B movie, but I mean, trash this, cinema, this movie, this movie, these movies, I should say, because Critters 1 and Critters 2, both, they hold a special place in my heart. I, those mm-hmm. those are just such fun, fun movies. Don't and, tell Roger, e- Roger Ebert that he Critters 2 is on his most hated list. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't always agree with Roger Ebert. Um, no, neither do I, I. In fact, I very rarely agree with him, although sometimes I do agree with him. There are some movies on his on his worst movies list that I've seen, and I'm I'm like, man, you you are ripping this movie apart, and you seriously didn't go far enough. No, <laughs> no, it's true. Well, and I mean, um, especially what with the whole Last Jedi controversy about people hating it and wanting it out of canon and all this other shit. And I actually found a video a while back where he was defending Empire Strikes Back when most critics were hating it, and it just it was kind of interesting because I'm like, that's think one of the few times I actually agreed with him about something. <laughs> I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, um, uh, it's, it's a definitely a different, um, dynamic when, when you see a critic trying to defend a movie that everyone, everyone loathes and everyone mm. hates, but he knew ahead of time that there was going to be another installment. Yeah. And he was just like, like, wait for it. You yeah. know, just wait for it. It's the but, same with Last Jedi. Like, we haven't seen this part nine yet. Let's hold off on the criticisms till we see, does part nine justify what they did in Last Jedi, or does it turn it into a complete shit show and we say, Disney, no more from you? <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I mean, after watching Rogue One, I, I, I absolutely love that movie. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... Okay, Force Awakens was kind of a rehash of, yeah. of Star Wars, and uh, you know, so I. But I mean, also to that point, I think they did that on purpose to try and and 
get people to realize that, hey, we understood what made Star Wars Star Wars, mm -hmm. and we're showing you that we get that, yeah. and now we're going to continue on. But now, yeah. of course, with Last Jedi, the the, the kind of hatred that came from it, it's like, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. they've, got, they've got a third movie, and they know they've got a third movie. Yep, yep. So let's wait and see how it pans out, because like you said, that happened, and and, and Ebert I, I, at the time, to, to give him credit, saw that. Yeah. And I mean, there's a there's a few times I've agreed with him, especially on movies he hates. Uh, he hated the movie North, him and Siskel both, and I believe it was Ebert who himself, who he I mean he just went on like a a, a two minute triad. Uh, basically saying, I hate this movie. I hate it. 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 And he seriously did that for like two minutes. He just said, I hate it over and over and over again. Mm. And um, I mean, I was curious. So I ended up watching it. And honestly, he didn't hate it enough. Uh, it's okay. it's really it's really an I, awful, awful I, movie. I can't say anything. I haven't seen it. and But from the sounds of it, I probably wouldn't want it, to. It's it's a movie that, that just, it, it takes stereotypes and, and, and just, plays on them in the worst most horrible horrific way nice. and considering it has a complete all-star cast i mean mm. like like dan Aykroyd, bruce willis elijah wood i really yeah, elijah oh, wood yeah reba mcintyre like i mean it's got it's, it's got an amazing cast and so like how do you get a movie this bad mm. out of this cast especially elijah wood because he's fucked up in the head and i love him for it you know i mean it's it it's it, it's just one of those wow yeah but uh no the movie don't please don't don't watch it just yeah. save yourself two hours of your life and and don't waste it yeah <sighs> all right then well but critters yeah, on getting... the other hand is definitely well worth the time yeah definitely and him hating it well it is what it is i mean critters one honestly is the more superior of the two but that said, Critters 2 still has a very special place in my heart. Um, and, you know, I, that scene when the, the uh, Lee sees the, the, the Playboy magazine and morphs into this woman with a staple in her stomach. It, <laughs> because the staple, because it's, it's, you know, the, the Playboy's the, the, the pullout, uh, what is it, centerfold? Yeah, it's the and, centerfold. And the centerfold, of course, the magazine's got the staple right there in the middle. And so when she transforms, she's got the staple. Yeah. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's very, very clever. And it's something that I don't think enough, like, shape-shifting transformation scenes kind of do enough. Mm -hmm. And it was a very kind of clever point out to the fact that, you know, she's not turning into a person. She's turning into an image of yeah. a person. And that image happens to have a staple. Yeah. Which explains, like, and like I was saying to you off, like, before we were recording, it was brought to my attention that this was a movie that here in Canada was rated PG. In the States, it was rated PG-13. And yet there's, you know, full breast nudity. And but when you think about the context of the nudity, it's a shapeshifter just turning into a female body. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really. I mean, okay, yeah, he was getting the image from a centerfold of a Playboy. So yeah. I mean, obviously there's a certain amount of there's sexual sexual innuendo in there. And of course, ten year old me watching this movie was like, yes, yeah. boobies, exactly. But um, boobies that want to kill crates. Yeah, kill Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I mean, of course, now older me, who's not, you know, 10 years old. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm watching it. And, I mean, it really wasn't uh, a, an overly sexualized scene. The no. person transformed. And then, uh, you know, 
basically looked and said, kill Kreitz. And then they yeah. turned around and walked away. Next time you saw the character on screen, of course, she was wearing clothes. Um, yeah. And I mean, could I, you I guess, imagine, though, if she had actually turned into Freddy Krueger? That would have been hilarious. I wonder if they would have been able to get Robert Englund to play that role just for a few seconds. <laughs> you know, honestly, if if they if they could have gotten Robert Englund, I think that scene would have would have gone differently. Oh, no kidding. I mean, it, it made sense having Freddy Krueger used in there being Robert Shea was responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street films. He's responsible for the Critter films. Yeah. Uh, so it made sense putting it in there. But man, I, I almost feel like that was a lost opportunity. If only they could have got, you know, Robert Englund for even like two minutes just to be Freddy Krueger in a Critters movie would have been fucking hilarious. Yes, it would have. You know, one of the things that rewatching, I rewatched this movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years. I've rewatched Critters, mm-hmm. new, the first one, numerous, numerous mm-hmm. times over the last few years. Right. But Critters 2 always seemed to kind of get pushed off to the side Mm. i ended up watching it yesterday and one of the things that really struck me was was how annoying the grandmother was (laughs) with her whole (laughs) veganism and don't eat meat and it 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 really (laughs) struck me it was just like wow like you're really pushing this aren't you why are you really pushing this you know what else i think was at least because of the way my creative mind thinks how they took the eggs and they were painting them like Easter eggs. I think it would have been funny if the critters came out the colors that they colored the eggs. <laughs> oh, please make this happen. Like <laughs> someone make a fan film of this, like, because I, that would be hilarious. I was watching it. I, I just watched it a few days ago to refresh my memory. And when they're painting the eggs for Easter and I'm like, man, that's almost a lost opportunity. You could have had these like massively colored critters running around, you know, bright pinks and blues and greens and everything. Like, Oh, that would have been absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it logistically doesn't make sense, no, but no. I mean, this is a movie about little porcupines from outer yeah. space. It really doesn't have to make sense. No. But that said, I mean, there is a bit of suspension and disbelief. But I, uh, I mean, even if you could have had the critters like roll into the paint cans and get the paint yeah. all over themselves or something, I, I mean, I that would have been fun. For me, I think it was because like when I look at critters and critters too, I kind of compare them to gremlins and gremlins too, which I know I shouldn't do, but I do anyways. And gremlins too was like, you took these like scary monsters in the first one and made them outrageously funny and crazy in the second film. So when I look at critters, to me, I think, why didn't you make them funny colors and give them funny personalities and stuff? Because they honestly were hyping the camp up. Well, when they get the reverse Mohawk, they're bitching. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's nothing like that first movie when they're like, they got weapons. So So what? Bang. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Best scene out of any of the critter films, period. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of fun scenes, like when the critter's on fire and rolls into the toilet. Yeah. Uh, but Originally, Mick Garris wanted to get Frank Welker to do all the voices for the critters. He couldn't get them, so he ended up doing them himself. But could you imagine if Frank Welker had done those? Oh, that would have been fun. <sighs> that would have been nice. Oh, yeah, no kidding, because he's amazing with voices. Oh, absolutely. would have been kind of funny if they even got Howie Mandel to use his bobby's world gizmo skeeter voice because he's used it in three different properties for the same voice yeah but uh eh. i mean 
that said, I'm, I don't want to sit here and focus on all the lost opportunities. This movie is still fun. Oh, it's like, an absolute blast to watch the first yeah. movie and the second movie. Uh, if you can watch them back to back. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to watch the third one, you see Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Let's, let's just not go there. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay, Leonardo DiCaprio. This is one. This is one of his first roles was Critter Three. Right, right. So this is before he became that teenage heartthrob that annoyed all of us guys my age to mm. no end to the point where we hated everything that his name was attached oh, to. Yeah. But um, Critters Three is still not a good Although, movie. Although Wolf on Wall Street, he's fucking great in that. I don't get me wrong. I, I, I've, I've, what's eating Gilbert Grape again? One of his first roles, if mm. not, if not his first role. I thought Growing Pains was his. first Well, okay, role. yeah, I, I meant movie role. Movie yeah, role, yeah. yeah. Growing Pains obviously was his first role. Yeah. But, uh, well, did Gilbert movie, Grape come out before or after Critters Three? I can't not remember. Sure. Nah, I can't remember now. It's one of those kind of. I'm not a hundred, but it was still one of his early movie roles, and he was an absolutely amazing actor in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? It is an absolutely great movie. Johnny Depp movie. If you wanna, if you get a chance to watch it, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a good movie. It's yeah, one of those, yeah. One of those movies that'll tug on your heartstrings, and uh, you'll end up, you know, sobbing your your eyes out when you're done it. But uh, it's it's just an absolutely great movie. And, yeah. And he did a great job in that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, when he became that teenage heartthrob, and it, honestly, it really wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio that I really disliked. It was everyone's reaction to the Leonardo hype around DiCap- him. Yeah, the hype the, around the hype. him, and uh, and that's really what soured me on on the on the person himself, which is unfortunate yeah. because he actually is a really great. Actor. Yeah, Gangs of New York is another great movie that he was in. By I think by that point the the hype was starting to was die starting off. to die off, and he was kind of people were just, focusing more on his acting abilities again, but as opposed to you know his appearance. Yeah. Um, but uh, Critters Three, not a good movie. No. I mean, it's not wretchedly horrible, but I mean, it's not really much of a rewatcher. So no. Although, as that was one of his first roles, Critters. Two was one of the first times we would be introduced to the Kyoto brothers who later on would go to create one of my favorite movies of all time, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, yes. Which I was just watching a behind the scenes today on YouTube for Critters 2 in which they were saying that like for each critter, each specific, like each individual critter, it took five puppeteers to control the critters. So that's how many people to control a critter ball? Okay, I know the ball was probably one person. Someone rolling it like a bowling ball. <laughs> yeah, like. exactly. But I mean, well, boy, wouldn't it have been fun if they had five uh, puppeteers for each critter yeah. inside the critter ball? Yeah, but like they were saying, like they had like one guy would control like the lips, one controlled the eyes, one controlled like the head jerks and stuff like that, like. There was none of this, like, plopping it on a computer screen and animating it. It Back then, it was practical effects, which... Love practical... Ah, can't talk today. Yeah. I love practical effects, and um, honestly, for horror movies, especially this style of horror movie, mm. that's what you want. You want to have practical You want to have fun puppets. If, if you, if you want to throw in some CG to clean things up and whatnot, that's mm. fine. Yeah. But stick with the practical effects, because... Honestly, it is one of the charms of these kinds of movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could do make it look absolutely amazing with CG, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't feel right. 
Yeah. There's a certain feeling that you get with the puppetry and with the practical Well, and effects. that's the thing, like, where fan films are getting it right. Like, this past Christmas, we were given Gremlins Recall, which, you know, independent director, independent filmmaker, whatever you want to call him, built his own Gremlin and controlled it with puppets, and it looked beautiful. Critters, there was a, a fan film just a couple years ago called Critters Bounty Hunter. and I haven't seen it yet. The only CG used in it is for the face of the bounty hunter because he his face hasn't morphed into a human likeness yet. Right. Um, but the critter itself is puppets. It's 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 a, a a puppet and like I said, like a rolling bowling ball of fuzz when it's rolling, um, and it talks <laughs> when it gets pinned up against the wall. He's like fuck, which is just it kills me. These critters come from outer space and they know the word fuck i mean well, translated anyways translated. I, I mean it's it's the sentiment that translates yeah you know when you translate to our language it comes out as that yeah um and uh which is again it's kind of how language works but yeah uh, no in this um short film because i haven't seen it yet mm. does he actually say it in english or is it like oh no speak? it's 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 the critter speak it's the critter speaking. Okay, it's that's the critter speak. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. little. Yep. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, I, and that's. It's funny because like we as fans, especially if we're fans of Star Wars, we've been spoiled with like George Lucas creating languages, and then you've got critters where it's just a bunch of gibberish. Yeah. And it could it, translate to anything now it's an interesting point now i'm i'm a parent i've got kids mm. and uh well when my kids were born they did not know how to speak english no um or french or german or spanish or whatever mm. um or critteries or critteries yes um they're not they're not born knowing how to speak mm. however critters apparently are yeah i know because this movie really highlights that hey they pop out of the eggs and they can talk and i know i mean it's like so, and, and don't get me wrong, there there is some sort of, there is some precedence for that even here on Earth in, in certain uh, aspects of the animal kingdom mm. where creatures are born with what's called a genetic memory. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is something that, I mean, you could have a lot of fun with that mm. as, as a part of a concept for, say, a Critters TV show. Yeah. Which... They have announced... Might- happen to be yeah. a, a major thing yeah yeah they've announced that they're going to be doing this now hopefully this thing takes off there's yeah. so many things you can do with critters i mean these things come from outer space this is an alien species and mm. the, it, in the first movie it opens up they literally steal a spaceship and fly it there's that fucking dude that's like telling the bounty hunters what they gotta do he's got that big bulbous head and shit yep yep like I, I'd love to see an episode about this guy. <laughs> or Seriously. even the even the warden from the yeah. first movie was which is a different species from the guy that we saw in the second one. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I mean so you've got this entire um group of aliens uh, like mm-hmm. different species probably from different worlds and whatnot and and krites are, are apparently a, a plague upon the galaxy. Yeah. And so you've got this this amazing world. That you can that you can explore. Mm-hmm. You can explore these different alien species. Backstories dis- for the bounty hunters. Backstories for the bounty hunters themselves. You know, like what's mm. up with them? Like how can they change? Why yep. do they change? Why exactly. are they like that? And you have the whole thing where it's like 
what is it? Ugg was sitting there saying that Lee kept on changing because Lee hadn't found a form that fit it properly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what does it take? Like, you yeah. know, like what is a form that fits it properly? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously it wasn't Eddie Deason. I don't no. think Eddie Deason even fits Eddie Deason properly. But, <laughs> um, but just to quickly make a note of something here, because in all the years I've watched Critters 2, nothing I never caught this, and I was re- I was doing the research today, and so one bounty hunter's name is Ugg, the other, one, the is other Lee. one is Lee. Put it together, Ugly. In all the years I've watched this movie, I never put that together. Either and I'm completely stupid, or they were just very clever in getting that past a lot of us. Absolutely, because I didn't catch it either. Mm-hmm. And of course, the funny thing is, is uh, you've got uh, Ugg turning into. Uh, into what what was the name of it? Johnny Steele or whatever. Yeah, Johnny Steele, the, the, the who's rock basically musician. the rock, the rock musician, the big hair, the big hair metal band lead singer, who's supposed to be the you know he was like the, he was like guy. the Steve from Stranger Things. Yeah, he, he had the hair. He had the hair, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and he's. He's supposed to be that that you know incredibly attractive uh, male, mm-hmm. uh, especially for the eighties when these movies yeah. came out. That was that was really the oh thing. The, the big hair, the big and hair. The, and the, the well, hair. There was the whole hair metal scene in the eighties exactly. and whatnot. And, and then and then you've got Lee, who in Critters Two is turning into this you know pull out uh, Playboy mm. chick. So neither of them would be considered ugly. No. So you don't make that connection on exactly. the names. Exactly, um, and it is in a way, it's a very, very clever way of deflecting it. Which, mm-hmm. which I mean, it worked on me, it worked on you, apparently. Yeah. So, because neither of us caught that, but yeah, that's actually a really neat, uh, neat little piece of trivia. Yeah. No, when I found that out today, I'm like, I, seriously, I had just kind of scratched my head. I'm like, I, I must be either completely stupid or they pulled a really nice one over us because. Well, like I said, by 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 choosing but people like you that said, are supposed to be considered attractive, it was a very good deflection on the name. It's like names. the polar opposite of the name. Of the name, yes. Yeah, and no, it was... it's very clever, very clever. But like getting back to like a possible TV series, which is either supposed to go to TV like Netflix or something, or a web series. I don't, I don't know. They haven't completely specified. I thought I yet. heard it was supposed to be on YouTube Red. It could even be that. Yeah. Um, it's something I'll. It's something I have to look more Which, into. Which, if it but... does go on YouTube Red, it'll actually give me a reason to go on YouTube Red. Right. Uh, <laughs> I know. Because um, yeah, but, but but the possibilities for like a series is pretty much like limitless. It, yeah, it, it the like sky's said, the limit. You've got, like, you've got all these alien species, and like I said, even things like genetic memory on the critters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a great focus for an episode or or a small two or three episode uh, arc. Yeah. Um, you know, you can explore all these different alien species. You could explore the critters backstory themselves. Why mm. are they a galactic menace? Where did they come from? What's yeah. their deal? And then there's Do so they much... have a superior leader? Do they? You is know? there is there a head Crichton? Yeah. And like you saw in, in both the first and second movies, these things, they grow. Yes. And they grow very, very fast. Is mm. there a critter out there that's the size of an asteroid? That's the size of a mountain? Mm. Because it's just been eating and eating and eating. Well, I always remember like the cover artwork for the second one, how it's like all the critters in one big ball. Yeah. And you wonder, like, could there be possibly a critter that gets that big on its own? Doesn't have to be all of them together as one kind of thing. Or do they mesh together? Like, do they have that power? There's so many options you can 
you can go with this. Absolutely. And uh, and with the bounty hunters, I mean, honestly, Lee being the, the one crate mm-hmm. in the movie, that was just, it was something that, I mean, you're not expecting. No. You really aren't. No. And and the fact that these things can turn into crates because mm-hmm. they're shapeshifters, so obviously they can they can take different yep. forms. But we never really even watching the first or second movie, you never really think, "Hey, why don't you take the form of a crate?" Yeah. And that was incredibly clever, but I mean, that's something else that I mean can be explored in a in a TV show. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits a TV show has over a movie is that you have so many hours that you can tell yes. stories and you can delve into things. You get more time to focus on character development and things yep. like that. A movie, you've got to introduce characters, introduce story, tell your story and finish everything up. And you've got two hours to do that. Yeah. Where a TV show, you I can mean, come out. I can't, eight, eight, I can eight, never say if, the fucking word, but compartmentalize yeah. your stories. You can have one episode be about, this and one episode be about that where in a film it's like you say you kind of have like to you have to kind of follow the third the three act rule you have your opening your middle your end yeah um and by the end like i mean you can leave it open for possible sequels but you need kind of the story arc of that film to finish yes where with a tv series you got 10 episodes you don't have to necessarily finish the story you're telling in the first episode you can have that finish in the ninth episode if you want yeah you know what i mean like and that's and like that's a beautiful thing to have for for a TV series that you've mm-hmm. got that that flexibility. Exactly. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I am so excited for this. I cannot wait. I mm-hmm. Critters has just always been something I've absolutely adored. Exactly. And we live in an era like with TV being so accessible. Yes. Whether it be through Netflix, Hulu, Shutter. Uh, YouTube, YouTube, CWC, like there's so many different apps and there's different websites and there's even TV itself. And I mean, yeah, you still have your regular cable and even over the air television yeah. that you can that you can grab this stuff on. And of course, you know, you still have, you know, um, DVDs are still being produced and sold oh, in yeah. stores. I mean, we don't really have too many rental places since Blockbuster went the way of the dodo. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are still some some local chains and whatnot that are around that rent movies and stuff like that. So, and uh, and of course, you can do the digital rental if you have cable mm-hmm. TV. Most of these cable boxes they have uh, re- movie rentals you can do on or that. Google. A lot of people will get movies through Google or through uh, what is it? X, um, not Xbox, but Windows. Yeah, Windows Media. They'll get yep. and most consoles and, now have yep. have uh, movies that you PS can just View rent. and all those. Like, yep. there's so many different ones where. You can just go on and order it, and it's like, you know, Apple TV, you know, iTunes, uh, it's like two bucks for an episode. Yeah. What's two bucks? Like, honestly, you know, like. Absolutely. And uh, and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways that this show can get out there and can get to you guys. Um, and uh, if Critters is your thing, and it's definitely my thing, you're oh, yeah. going to find a way to get this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And one other thing, like. Because we've seen it, like you and I are both fans of the CW superhero shows and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And especially Flash, if not the other ones, but I mean the other shows do it too, bringing back characters from old stories. Like the Flash has done it with John Wesley's ship and, um, oh, shit, the guy Uh, who played Julio and whatnot, um, Amanda Pays. Funny you mentioned the Flash. Um, Something I kind of found out, um, well, 
preparing yeah, for this podcast is M. Emmett Walsh, who played the sheriff in the first movie, mm-hmm. um, actually played um, Henry Allen in the 1990s Flash. Yeah, yeah you did mention uh, that to me And of course, outside. the 1990s Flash was John Weshley's ship, who yeah. went on to play Henry Allen in the current Flash exactly. with Grant Gustin. And that's my thing, like, because when we were doing our research, we found out, like, a lot of these actors are still prominent actors today. You could possibly bring back a Scott Grimes for an episode or, you know. You could probably, honestly, I could see Scott Grimes even agreeing to go for all ten. he'd jump on it. He would totally jump on that. Like, this is the movie that made the game. Well, maybe not made him, but, I mean, it's one of them. Well, it's. You go on IMDb and it's, it's, Critters is one of those movies that he's known for. Because he was in two of the four. Yeah. Like, he was one of the recurring I think actors. Charlie, the, uh, um, what is it, uh, Don Opper? Yeah. Uh, he was the only one who was in actually all four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I love that character. Oh, I know. He's just a fun character. No kidding. He was awesome. I'm a bounty hunter! And you think he's dead, and then you see him, like, coming along with the, the parachute. parachute. Someone help me get this off. Oh, never mind. I got it. <laughs> And how he wanted Lee to stay as the woman. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, come on. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? I mean. And I mean, we, you, like you said earlier, I mean, we were, what, 10, 11, 12 years old when we saw these movies. We, we wanted, wanted him to, to stay. We wanted <laughs> Lee to stay as the woman. We wanted, we wanted that transformation scene all over again is what yeah. we wanted. Yeah. And we didn't want to wait the 20 minutes it would take us to rewind the VHS to get there. <laughs> not to mention like you rewind the vhs and then you either go too far or not far enough and then you're like fuck yep trying to find that exact spot i was always the kid that would like reset the counter at the spot i always wanted to go back to so that way you rewound and it stopped right there yep yep Uh, oh vhs uh, they're good old days Uh, like i was saying to you earlier i watched a documentary today adjust your tracking and just seeing like them talking about like the old box art and the old VHS stores and whatnot. And I mean, and like, you that's, know what? The that... box art for the Critters films, even Critters 3 and Critters 4, as horrible movies as they were, their box arts were just phenomenal. That was the thing, though. In the 80s, how many bad movies did you watch because the box art was awesome? All of them. I mean, that's... <laughs> like, all the bad movies I saw, I watched because of the box art. Exactly. <laughs> I, spookies. Spookies, which is like, I I love the movie. It's a bad movie. I'm, I'll admit it. But it was the box art that drew drew me in. It was like, oh, I gotta see this movie. And then I watched it. I was like, well, that wasn't as good as the box art. Yeah, uh, but I mean, having good box art. But I mean, Critters had great box art. And and I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not a cinematic masterpiece. I mean, no. it's not going to win any awards. Although um, Scott Grimes actually got nominated for a couple of awards. Yeah, when him, he got nominated though. Um, but, um, he, it was, it's not one of those movies. It's not a cinematic masterpiece, but it's a fun, fun time. It's, it's, it's everything that you want out of a horror comedy. Right. And, um, the thing is, and you see this so much, like in so many documentaries and whatnot, Robert Shea has credited Nightmare on Elm Street as being the, the franchise that kept his career going as long as it did with New Line Cinema. But Critters was another one. Yeah. Like, I mean, he even had his, like, his sister, Lynn Shea, actually has a role in Critters too. Yeah. Um, and he he was responsible for giving us, I think, 
if not the first three, he gave us all four Critters films, if I'm correct. I think I, it was all four. I think he was responsible for all four. And it's something that kind of goes under the wayside because of how powerful Night- Nightmare on Elm Street was. And granted, I mean, like, Nightmare on Elm Street is classic. I oh, mean, yeah. As much as they tried with that reboot, it, nobody never, nobody wanted the reboot. They want to stick with Robert Englund as Freddy and... Robert Shea was a big part of that, and but he was a big part of this, and it's something that always seems to go under the wayside, like you know. And it's also funny. One of the things that always that's you know when you see these horror movies, like I mean, there, you have all the horror movie tropes. We mm-hmm. all know those tropes. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was a very big fan of those. Friday the Thirteenth was a yep. big fan of them. Halloween, Critters, I noticed really wasn't like that. Critters wasn't a slasher. It wasn't a slasher, Which but would, even then, it didn't have a lot of... Like, people didn't act retardedly stupid in these movies just no. because... Just because. They actually... Most of these responses, I was sitting there looking at it, I'm like, you know, these responses are actually pretty... You know, this yeah. is how people would go. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, um, you've got... Um, the the first critters i mean it was it was their everyone's responses was darn near perfect yeah like this is exactly how a person would respond even critters too like okay some of the townsfolk were a little goofy but mm-hmm. um you know um it was still none of them really were were acting out of sorts yeah that you know like i mean well, it was a small town. It was what Grover's Bend, I think, yeah, is the Grover's name of the town. Banders, like, yeah. this is supposed to be a small town. It's how a small town community would act in a situation like this. And the fact that, like, when he returned, so did the critters. Like, when, yeah. when Scott Grimes' character returns, the critters return, and the first person they blame is him. Of course, because they figure he brought one back with him. Like, yeah. not realizing they never left. And we were we had that hint at the end of Critters One. We saw the few the, eggs, the eggs inside the uh, chicken coop. Yeah, exactly. How they multiplied on their own, I don't know. But come Critters Two, there was three baskets full of well, them. <laughs> now, again, like I said, I was talking about genetic genetic memory actually having mm-hmm. a, a place here, even on Earth, in the animal kingdom, which uh, for the most part is in insects and whatnot. Right. Um, most of those creatures that do have genetic memory don't really have genders. No. They don't. They, they pretty much are, are self-propagating species. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, wouldn't that be amazing if critters are a self-propagating species? And again, something you can explore in this show. Um, you, one critter is all it takes to breed. Yeah. Either that or maybe they're like the Smurfs. You know, <laughs> they're all male except for one female. Oh, chicka pow. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, let's, let's really scary, uh, Smurfs. That's for sure. But. I was going to say, just let's not go there. I mean, let's, we can throw one in blue paint, maybe give him yeah. a little white hat, you know, or, 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 you know, blow off his hair and he could yeah. be bitching. Exactly. Sorry. That we were talking about, uh, the, the scene from the first critters where, you know, they're like, they have weapons. So what? Bang. Fuck. Being the greatest critters line, mm-hmm. but from critters too. So it's the Lee and Ugg, um, they walk into the, the what a diner, mm-hmm. and um, and the critters are sitting there. They're they're making a mess of the place. They're they're you know sitting there. They're joking around. They're throwing lettuce at each other yep. and stuff. Yep. And Lee and Ugg pull their guns out and just start start unloading on them. And Lee ends up shooting and just slightly misses one of the critters and blows the top of his hair off. So yep. he's got this like 
almost the bald spot, right? Like yeah. the Danny DeVito looking bald spot. Yep, and yep. he looks at him and he's like, bitch in, and then dies. Yeah. Because uh, he gets shot again. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's just, it's an absolutely hilarious line. And that is probably one of the funniest lines in Critters 2. Oh, yeah. Um, it's It was a shame they didn't have a little bit more dialogue for the Critters. A little uh, yes. bit more about Rage's talk would have been kind of fun. It but... would have. It really would have. But, I mean... I mean, take what you get, right? And I I forgot to actually look it up, but I do believe the budget for this was lower than the first film. As with most sequels, the budget always goes down with each film. That's why they had the sheriff in a bunny outfit having his stomach eaten out. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. That scene was hilarious when he's walking around as the giant Easter bunny. Yeah. And all I kept thinking of was like all those bad, like Easter bunny killer movies, like Bunny Man Massacre and shit like that. And, yeah yeah it's just it's funny because like certain scenes in these movies always make me think of other movies and whenever i see them in the bunny suit i'm like i right away i go to all these easter bunny killer movies and shit and yep yep what what was the one uh the beaster bunny oh jeez where it's like a giant bunny is terrorizing a town and shit. Oh, fuck. Those uh, movies are so bad. But again, box art was probably what drew me in to watch them. I mean, some movies, some movies, I mean, you look at the movie and you know, you know it's the movie's going to be bad. But you have to watch it. But you just, you have to. The thing is, is that's some, I, I love horror for this, that you can watch the worst movie and enjoy the living shit out of it. Oh, I know. Horror is very good for that. One of my favorite yeah. movies for, and, and please, it is not a good movie. Just the whole concept of the movie is is like, wow, killer sheep. Uh, black sheep. Um, <laughs> right? If you haven't seen Black Sheep, please watch it. This, this, is, this is an hour and a half that you're just going to sit there and think, wow, they, they actually made this. But it's so fun. But it's, Take a look at Lloyd Kaufman's career, though. <laughs> trauma films that's what all those movies all those are movies, and they're every like single that. one of them is enjoyable to fucking hell like it's just they're not meant to be no. good they're meant to be bad movies yep. and you're they're just meant to entertain you they're they're not even really scary no they're just they're entertaining in their goofiness their no, silliness, and, and they're over the top hamminess and you know for a fact and i mentioned this on last week's episode the behind the scenes is where the real fun is. You know those actors and those special effects guys and the directors are having a blast making these movies. Oh, I, I, I would love to see just like one day of filming, like the whole mm-hmm. day of filming being recorded and played yep. to it. That would be so fun just to watch the jokes and yep. how, how often they mess up their lines or deliberately do it and start, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how many times did uh, what Terrence Mann and uh, what was the girl who played Lee at that time? The, the, mm. I can't think of her name, but they're walking. To, how many times did they have to walk into that? I think that was Cynthia Garris. Yeah. I think how many times did they have to walk into that um, diner mm-hmm. and and do that scene? And like, I mean, seriously, how many times did they not just like mess up a scene or mess up a line? And then one of them just grabs lettuce and throws it at the other. Oh, yeah. Or throws it at one of the puppeteers or one of the yeah. puppeteers throws lettuce at them. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, I know what I'm like when I'm at work. And mm-hmm. I mean, 
you don't see it because I, I work midnights in retail. Yeah. So the, the the place I work at is closed. So nobody really sees me when I'm at work, like public-wise. Right. But, I mean, there's so many, like, off-color jokes and oh, off-color yeah. comments and off-color things that I do oh, at yeah. work that, you know, I mean – Nothing inappropriate or anything, but I mean, it's just it, well, you, speak you on your behalf <laughs> because for me it's usually inappropriate. But but uh, you know, it's you have to have fun when you're oh, yeah. when you're at oh, work. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just going to drive yourself crazy. You exactly, know, all work and no play, and and everything. makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> well. So I mean, you know, you, you you sit there and you'll you'll crack that joke or you'll yeah. you'll you'll go with that pun or you know, mm-hmm. you'll 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 throw that you know piece of paper and. Uh, at someone and just yeah. you know whatever you know it's you know nothing nothing malicious or anything you're just trying to have fun and trying to lighten the mood and get people or to let smile. the sarcasm fly let oh boy does the sarcasm ever fly. oh yeah no kidding but honestly i mean i've worked at a lot of different places and i've never been at a workplace where people weren't being sarcastic 90 percent of the time oh, they yeah. were there. and i mean i i imagine that this is no different i mean just to be able to see that Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we get blooper rules and stuff, but that's usually like little five to ten second segments. Yeah, it's not enough. I want to see a good three hours of this. Yeah, I want to see them reshoot this scene nineteen times because you, you they figure, can't get it right. You figure usually on the average gag reel for a DVD is anywhere between five to ten minutes, and that's barely like scratching the surface. Yeah, like you said, they're picking like, and choosing the best of. Give us one full day of just seeing the shenanigans that it. Each and every one of them is pulling, you know what I mean? You like, know, and how many people are the behind-the-scenes people that you don't actually see on the screen? Like you said, there's five puppeteers per yeah. crate. Yeah. And you've got, what, 15, 20 crates in that diner? Yeah. You know, so you've and got... And they're created by the Kyoto Brothers, who went on to do Killer Clowns from Outer Space, another movie that you clearly do not take seriously... And you know that the shenanigans behind the scenes were probably outrageous. But I'm saying, like, you've probably got at least 20 puppeteers, mm-hmm. bare minimum, inside this room with um, Terrence Mann. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, you're just sitting there. You're like, so you've got a re- and plus you've got your cameraman, you've got your boom mm-hmm. operator, you've got all you got these the director, director, you've got all these different people sitting there surrounding them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the second that camera is not rolling, you you know, the jokes are. Yeah. Well, like in the the YouTube clip that I was watching today, uh, one of the shots that they were showing was when the uh, the crate is getting electrocuted on the wires, mm-hmm. and they showed how they filmed it, and how they ha- actually had like three different puppets that each take turns doing it, so it has a different look each time and whatnot. It's time consuming. What do you think they're gonna do? They're gonna crack jokes the second the camera's off because it's time consuming. You know, like yeah. And, and and I mean you're not And it's funny how like they refer to the puppets as the stars of the show. They're like, here's the star, and it's you know, a puppet. Yeah. Like they have fun with it. Like though honestly, I could probably sit and watch like a ten hour documentary about this and probably enjoy the living daylights out of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um the critters themselves, like I said, they made these things really, really engaging, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got great personalities. They really do. I mean, they, yep. they had a lot of fun doing it. Um, there's one thing we haven't even mentioned here in this podcast is there are little darts that they shoot out, the little yep. poison darts. I mean uh <laughs> The little quills. The little quills, yeah. Well the yep. space porcupines, yep. right? That's what the bus driver was saying at the yep. beginning of, and then at the end of the the bus driver is almost like the unsung hero of that. Movie. Oh yeah. 
You know, where was he the whole time? Obviously, the bus left and came back, but I mean, it's just he like, was with Michael Jackson eating the popcorn. Oh, geez, or Tide Pods. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's uh, an episode, Kreitz eating Tide Pods. Let's see how they react. <laughs> uh, well, that's something else you can do with a show like this. When it's not a movie, it's an actual TV show. You can actually take the time to to kind of back end a PSA into it. Create and, some satire out of it. And create some satire out of it. And I mean, this is a perfect mm. type of... Um, type of property you can do it with oh, I mean, yeah. with these crates you can have so much fun like yeah like you said they eat a tide pod and the thing just like gets sick and explodes or something yeah and it's like yeah don't do that yeah you know and it, it's a great way to do a psa kind of backdoorish without mm-hmm. you know coming out there and saying hey kids don't eat tide pods well i i can't believe we actually have to say that but with the social environment that we're in at this current era right now what with tide pods and political leaders that are morons and whatnot this show is like primed and ready to be a huge satire and have fun with it and Mm -hmm. poke fun at all the things that we sit there every day and go what the fuck is going on and to be honest it'll probably poke fun at a few things that we like and and you Mm -hmm. know what that's great because if you can't take if you can't take a joke you really shouldn't be cracking them exactly um exactly Take so, it as you dish it. Exactly. Take it as you dish it. Um, but um, honestly, the um, this this kind of property, I mean, it's you've got these 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 little monsters, mm-hmm. which really that's what they are, mm-hmm. and and you can you can use that as a great way, and especially because they're not from Earth, so they don't know nope. Earth culture and nope. Earth Earth's little nuances and mm-hmm. whatnot. So you can really use that to highlight. Um, a lot of issues that uh, that that if you were to do it through a, a, a characters from Earth mm. would be really awkward. But you can yeah. do it here with these things and not have it be so awkward. And you can go and get your point across, and you yep. can do it in a way that's entertaining, that's fun, mm. and that that people aren't going to sit there and start going, "Well, you're on this moral crusade." Like uh, you know, unfortunately, they they really flubbed that one in Critters too with you yeah. know Miss Vegan there, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <sighs> yeah, little meat eaters. Like, what? What, what, what was? Who, who behind she... this movie hated meat so much that they had to put that in? I kind of took her character as being like a mockery on society, though. Like, kind of like pointing out, this is how stupid you people kind of look sometimes. <laughs> the thing is, is this kind of came out in the eighties, and the eighties was not no, known the... for a vegan movement. No, um, the vegan movement was actually really years before with the with the whole. Uh, hippie era yeah that's really and and this lady really seemed like she was one of those hippies that never really grew up even Mm. though she grew old yeah um and and i think that's kind of one of the points that they were trying to get across with this particular character but i mean of course now we're getting to that uh that era again with uh, actually isn't there even a a part in the movie where um I believe it's uh, Scott Grimes' character. Why I can never remember his fucking name. I don't Bradley. know. Bradley. Bradley. Bradley thank Bradley you. Bradley Says to her, "Grandma, the crates are here." And she's like, "I know. They're eating meat or something like that." Like she makes like a reference. Yeah, she to she calls it. them dirty little meat, meat eaters. eaters. Yeah, you know. And it's like, wow, you're really slapping our slapping <laughs> us in the face with this kind of PSA here. It's like that. You know, that really wasn't necessary. Not not particularly that way. Mm. There was a way they could have done that by by making the 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 crites 
desire to eat meat, which is really what their downfall was in yeah. the end of this particular movie, because they led them all into that uh, into the barn. hamburger factory. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, the hamburger. The hamburger factory. Yeah. And then they blew them all up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, you could have used that, and you didn't really need to have mm-hmm. this vegan chick. Yeah. To, to kind of bring your message. And I think it would have had more impact than having her slap you in the face with it, because that really turns you off. Yeah. Right? When someone's sitting there being so, you know, a self-righteous crusader about it. It's like mm. you almost deliberately turn away and be like, yeah, no, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what you say. Yeah. And so you've got the conflicting thing where you, you see, okay, be eating meats bad because it'll lead you to get yourself blown up in a hamburger factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The barn I realized was the first movie when the, the sister and her boyfriend were making out in the we're barn. making out. Yeah. yeah. And then they killed the boyfriend. Yeah, the hamburger, her, uh, Hamburger Place was in the you second know, film. You know, this is something, and I mean, I remember me and my friends talking about it when we were young, and I haven't mentioned it in here, and I really need to. One of the things that really always stuck in my head from the first movie was a little pervert critter. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, when the sister is is knocked out, and this mm-hmm. is after the barn scene and all of that, she's knocked out, and she's being dragged by the giant critter onto the ship. There's a bunch of little critters around, and there's one critter right in between her legs. Now, mm-hmm. I understand from a filming standpoint that it was probably the only place they could actually put it so where it wouldn't fall off. Right, right. Right, because all the critters are kind of placed in an area where you can kind of tell she's trying to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And so they have one right in between her legs, and she's obviously holding on to it. The, the the puppet with her legs. Right. But I mean, you're sitting there thinking in your head, oh, there's a little pervert critter. He's just sitting there. Uh, he's munching on the wrong kind of <laughs> wrong kind of meat there, right? He's looking for the money shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, wow. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I said, that's one of those things that, that you know, 10-year-old pervert me, yeah. it really struck me as absolutely hilarious. And oh, yeah. re-watching it, I ended up actually not really paying super close attention to that because I was watching everything else at the time. Right, right. When I rewatched it the other day. And I kind of remembered that scene. And I'm like, you know what? I had to go back and I ended up rewinding it and going back to that particular scene just to, you know, see, did I see it right when I was yeah. a kid? Or, you know, it was like little pervert me kind of seeing a little bit more than, no, 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 that's exactly how it was. Like, I mean, as an adult now, I kind of get it. They were doing it because, you know, where the critters were, there was like one right near her, um, Right near her elbow, and yeah. you can tell she was kind of she's kind of holding, holding it there, it there yeah. with her elbow. And there was another one that was like over her shoulder, and she's kind of holding it there with her neck. Yeah. And then you've got the one in between her legs, which obviously she's holding with her legs because yeah. you know otherwise these puppets are going to fall off, and that's not very good for filming. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, just you're sitting there thinking, what's that critter doing there? Again, though, it also goes back to having to actually use brain power. How are we going to make this work using practical effects? It's not. Just will green screen it and then throw everything in after on a computer. You had to get creative. And like you said, yes, as 10-year-old perverted you, you're like, ha got the money shot. I see that. But probably they did it because they had to think of a practical way to make that critter stay there. Yeah. So they could film it properly without, like, you know, using too many strings or sticks or anything like that. Like. Because, again, that's that's money that you have to spend to edit those things out. Exactly. And back then, when you didn't have CG, that mm-hmm. cost a lot of money to get that out because you literally had to do it frame by frame by hand. You had yep. to edit these out. And that's a pain in the butt. And for me, I've always looked at practical effects as the better way to film because 
when you're trying as an actor to pretend something is there that isn't there, it's harder. Where when they have the props sitting there, they can react to it. Like like gremlins. I, I remember the scene when the gremlin is um, eating the cookies and then he sticks his head in the blender. Right. And you see Billy's mother is looking at it and she's looking with disgust and, oh my God, that thing is atrocious looking. You know she's actually looking at it. Yeah. Where had they done that with CG, she has to now kind of imagine in her head what she's seeing and then reacting to that. And, and with a lot of cases, like I, I'm, I know Lord of the Rings did this, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Guardians uh, with Gollum, and Guardians of the Galaxy did it with Rocket Raccoon and with Groot, mm-hmm. where they actually had actors in, yes. in full on green suits yes. there um, to basically portray that character. So that way, when someone was looking at Rocket or someone was looking at Gollum or, mm-hmm. or Groot or whatever, um, they're actually looking at something. Yeah, It's not just they're look, staring off into space. So there's something so for their eyes to focus on. Because it's yeah. hard to focus on an empty spot in, in, in a room. Right. Your eyes immediately want to focus on what's behind there. So like instead of looking at a at a blank space in the air, mm-hmm. you're looking at whatever's in that direction but yeah. further past and then it doesn't look right on the screen. So by having that actor there even if it's in a full green suit, mm-hmm. they're still focusing on something. Yeah. But yeah, you don't quite get the right the right image. Something though like a critter that is like so compact and small is a lot harder to do with a green suited actor. Actor, exactly. Um, like Groot is perfect because he's basically the size of a human, like yeah. especially in the first film. Um, and Andy Serkis doing Gollum, I mean, they technically used his facial features as Gollum, Gollum. so it made sense. I mean, no, he wasn't as big, but then they did all their well, they had know, their depth perception tricks and whatnot to make yeah. the hobbits look smaller. I mean, Elijah Wood wasn't that short, no, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like with in in terms of critters, it, like I was saying, like it, it's good to have that prop there. CGI would have really made it hard for these actors to give the right uh, emotion to each scene they were involved in. Um, again, though, it's just kind of funny that as older you is looking back on, yeah, <laughs> money shot. Yeah. But again, it, it came down to the creativity, which is something that I've always respected. And that's one of the things that I think practical effects really helps bring out in these movies yes. is the creativity. And there's a lot of scenes in a lot of movies that end up becoming titular scenes or, mm-hmm. or like incredibly powerful and important scenes that only happen because they use the practical effects. Yeah. Um, a good example of that is the 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 stormtrooper that bangs his head in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, I'm it, so glad they never edited that out. I I am too. But I mean, it, it's one of those um, it's one of those things that because they weren't doing the CG, they didn't decide to have all these stormtroopers as yeah. CG soldiers and whatnot. Yeah. They had to have people in actual suits do this. Mm-hmm. And the one guy, of course, banged his head. And that ended up becoming such a big part of Star Wars. Yep. And, uh, and I mean, all the movies, I'm sure, have them. We might not even realize it. It's just like most, uh, some of the most famous movie quotes, some of those most quoted lines ever mm-hmm. in movies were not in the script. They were completely yep. ad-libbed, ad-libbed by the actor at the yep. time um, to, to go continue on with the bad horror th- uh, uh, theme there. Uh, they live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm all out of bubblegum. Yeah, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. He wasn't supposed to say anything. 
He was supposed no. to be completely silent and then just start opening fire. Yep. And he felt that the scene needed something so that he gave that line. And of mm. course the director loved it. It's like, yeah, we'll keep that in. Oh. And it ended up becoming the line that everyone the remembers. The five minute fight scene in that movie. Him and Keith David, Roddy Piper and Keith David, they choreographed that. They worked on it for like three weeks leading into filming. They filmed it and Carpenter just sat back and said, okay, just keep going. And he let them completely finish, and he used the whole scene because of how well they improvised and worked on it and made it. It was a basically a five-minute wrestling match. Yeah. And John Carpenter was like, I'm not editing a thing. Just leave it as it is. Yeah. You know, like, and it totally ad-libbed. It was supposed to be like a 30-second a fight. Yeah. You know, and it went on for five minutes, and he's like, nope, just leave it. And, and while I don't know of uh, what in in this and any other critters movies particularly was ad libbed, um, obviously I don't think any of the critter speak was. But uh, I mean, I'm sure some of the lines from the bounty hunters or the humans around there, a few of them were probably ad libbed. Uh, the, the one line I do kind of wonder is when the the one kid goes to the house there and the dog is barking at him and he's like, "It's just a dog." Yeah, so was Cujo. <laughs> Yeah, that could that definitely could have been an ad lib line. Yeah, and but I mean that's the exact kind of thing. I mean, so many movies, so many lines are are completely ad libbed and not scripted, and and the director's just like, yeah, you know, we'll leave that in, yep. and end up and end up without that line. That movie probably wouldn't have been that good. No, exactly. And it, and, and you know, and I, like I said, for they live, that line is the line everyone remembers from that movie even um, if they don't remember the movie they know that line as a matter of fact i do believe that i read somewhere that like 50 percent of roddy piper's dialogue was him just adding lines like all his little like quirks and little sarcastic comments was stuff that he had prepared for wrestling matches that he never used and he showed john carpenter the book of all these lines he had saved and carpenter's like go nuts add what you want because he basically created his own character doing it yeah and like i said he had so much fun i'm so sad that this guy passed away yeah um but um i mean it it would that was a it was a great movie and and the lines in it were were just they're phenomenal Mm -hmm. um and uh like you said with with critters i'm not sure exactly what was ad-libbed i know a lot of these films nightmare on elm street had a lot like that uh, especially robert england he almost probably had as much fun as roddy piper did in his the lines. whole welcome to primetime bitch that was totally ad-libbed that was never even in the script yeah and i like i said i mean so many of these things like you can you almost can now kind of tell sometimes when a line's mm. ad-libbed and when it's scripted yeah because the ad-lib lines just feel so natural. Exactly. Where There's... the scripted lines don't feel as natural. And that's where, like, okay, as much as I love the movie, Return of the Living Dead, every line Linnea Quigley gives out is totally right from the script. She does not ad-lib a damn thing in that movie. And you can tell. But for some reason, it works in that movie. I mean, I, I like it spooky. It's like, it's fucking hilarious because her acting is so bad. She knows she's acting bad. She's in there strictly to be the tits and ass of this movie. She knows it. Um, but then you take, like you said, like They Live is probably one of the best examples of an actor totally ad-libbing almost every line, if not, you know, well, I think he said like 50% of it, whatever. Um, and it, like you said, it was very natural. You feel like you're watching like a very organic character on the screen yeah. as opposed to an actor playing a role. 
And and that's one of the things you kind of get out of out of Critters, especially Critters One. Mm-hmm. Critters One really felt like these are actual people. Yes, they're, they're, they don't feel like they're characters. They actually feel like people. Uh, except for I, 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 to be honest, except for Scott Grimes. Yeah, he's the only one that you really feel that this person is acting. But I mean, he was a kid. He, he was, was very kid, very yeah. young. It's one of his first roles, if not his first role. Uh, it was like his fourth movie. Yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, he had done that TV movie beforehand. Um, um, and but, so in Critters One, you could really tell that this kid was was doing the whole acting, like he's mm-hmm. trying to act. Um, Critters Two. Believe it or not, he actually felt a lot more organic, a lot more natural. But this is, of course, several years later. He's got a few other other you know properties. And under he's his comfortable belt. with the critter's role because he's, he's already, already done one film. He's already done one film, and he and it, if the critters too, he felt more natural. Mm. He felt more like you know, especially when he's sitting there going up against uh, what was it, Wesley. Yeah, he's like, I've been taking karate. <laughs> it's oh it's like, God. yeah, you can kind of tell like he feels more natural in, mm. in that. And of course, he gets his butt kicked, which, you know, that's that's absolutely uh, yeah. what you were expecting to happen. I mean, yeah, really, exactly. that was not a shocker. But I mean, it was it. But it felt natural because, I mean, how many times did we see that exact scene play out in high school? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like at least two or three times a day with different yep. people. Yeah. You know, one person's always talking smack and then the next person's just like, get out of my way. Exactly. <laughs> You know, and yeah. uh, and it felt very, very natural, and it didn't feel like it was something that they were. It wasn't really wooden acting in there. No. <laughs> where where I, I do feel he was a little bit <clears throat> overacting. I think in yeah. Critters One, you know, he was a little bit too. Except the scenes with his sister, mm-hmm. I, I really felt those ones were. Felt, felt pretty natural, organic, pretty natural. I, I really think it's two people. I think so because I, I, I don't know. Obviously, I didn't look up to see if he has siblings or whatnot. But we all have had siblings. We have all bickered with our siblings. That's something that comes natural. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I, they played that. Yeah, well. I I think he probably treated her like she would have been his sister, and watch me antagonize the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, and and of course she was doing the exact same thing exactly. with him. And I mean that felt very natural and it felt very, you know, like it, it was right. And and the parents there um wow, did they ever do a good job? Okay, yeah, sure. Scream Queen does kind of do her D little, Wallace, of you course. You know, she D Wallace. I mean, she does her she does her thing that she always does. Yeah. But to be fair, well, she she's the mom from ET, like and yeah. she's basically the mom in this. She she's good at playing mom roles. And and she's good at doing the whole screen. But I'll be honest, even in this movie, you know, she's she when she starts getting to the ass kicking, she she she's the one who shot the critter in the in the, you yep. know, they've got weapons scene. So yep. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's a few times where she's sitting there batting him away with the, with the rifle or the shotgun, I should say, mm-hmm. using it as a club cause it's out of ammo. Yeah. And uh, how beautiful is that, that they run out of ammo? <laughs> I know. Right. It's not like a bad Schwarzenegger film where, you know, he's got a Glock and it just, it's, he's, he's fired probably 300. Never do see it. him reload. Do you? You know, uh, uh, 
to be fair, the movie Commando, he runs out of ammo a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's so many guns in that particular movie that it didn't matter. He ran out of ammo. And you'd literally see him walking through like the end scene there where he's in this what, what, Colombian drug lord's mm-hmm. house. Yep. And he's sitting there. He's shooting the place up. His gun runs out of bullets. He just drops it, pulls out another one. Yeah. It runs out of bullets. He picks one up from a bad guy he killed. It runs out of bullets. He just keep, he's dr- He must have left at least 100 weapons behind him. Like, mm-hmm. you could have... like. You didn't need a tracking expert to follow this guy. No, no. <laughs> like there, there were there were literal guns in a in a trail following him. Yeah. But I mean, he did run out of ammo in this particular. Yeah. You know. Well, even T uh, two, we constantly saw him reloading when he was doing the one handed reloads. Yeah. Constantly, but. Yeah, but uh, no, the critters one, um, critters two, they really didn't have too many guns it was just uh, well the, sh- i believe i read that the, bo- the body count for critters 2 was only six there's only six actual deaths in the in the, not including the crates obviously not including the crates really was there only no there had yeah. to have been more okay so nope. you have the shop owner at the beginning mm-hmm. um i don't know if we're counting his dog no i didn't say where, where i read it it just said body count six yeah really so you got the shop owner you got the guy who got to run over the by the critter ball mm-hmm. um you've got the sheriff yeah uh, the old the, the the Easter Bunny sheriff, not the old sheriff from the first movie. Right, that, right. You know, uh, so that's the, the you know. So I'm only at three right now, and I'm mm. really actually trying to think. Uh, yeah, um, Lee, I guess you could technically consider. I that. think that was one of them they were considering as a, a death. Um, yeah, no, you know what? There really wasn't a high body count no. in this particular film. No, aside they from more it, it, when when Mick Garris, there was an interview I was watching with him where he basically said when we wanted to make this a bigger film than the first one, they wanted more crates. That's more what they were aiming at. They he, he didn't really want to go too much with the death because he did want to keep it at a PG thirteen rating for the states. Right. So they didn't want. To, an overkill of death as opposed to like the slashers where each film, it was more and more and more to the point where like Jason Voorhees is like up in the two hundreds of how many people he's killed. Yeah. Um, they just wanted to have more critters. They wanted to have it that it was more of an annoyance having to deal with these little furry porcupines all over the fucking place. Yeah. No. And which is, which is great. I mean, like I said, it's such a fun movie. Yeah. Um, it, both of them, Critters 1, Critters 2, Critters 3, 4, uh... They're there. They're there. I mean, if you want to watch them, go for it. And you, I have all four. I'm not going to lie. You're, you're not going to waste your time, uh, but uh, you're not really going to go back to 3 and 4. No. But 1 and 2, those are the kinds of movies you can rewatch and just enjoy every single time exactly. you watch them. They're, just, they're kind of timeless that way. Yeah. Um, although, that said, <laughs> it's that's not a remote control, Grandma. Oh, fuck. Oh wow! Uh, and and when you think about it, he so he gets this um, in the first movie. He gets this, um, I guess it's a a, a pager, yeah, uh, from Ugg, mm-hmm. uh, the alien. And he, of course, now we're looking at it, and uh, I mean, we've got cell phones that are just so much more sophisticated. Than oh this, yeah. Than this thing, although they certainly don't have the kind of range it was supposedly mm-hmm. to, to, supposed to have. He only ended up using it when Ugg and Lee were literally right outside. Right. So it's not like it needed the range. No, but, no. Uh, I mean. Uh, it looked like something that would have been out of a Star Trek movie, though. <laughs> an, an original series. Star yeah, Trek exactly. Um, and that's the thing is like, I mean, techno technologically, but I mean, Star Trek had that issue, right? Mm-hmm. The kind of communicators they had in Star Trek. I mean, if you really think about the kind of technology it took to be able to use a, a, a mobile device, if you yeah. will, 
anywhere you happen to be mm. without needing a satellite connection or something like that. Okay, right. so there, I mean, there's technical issues that, you know, make it obviously better than what we have now. Yeah. But when you look at what they had in the original series, I mean, our flip phones were better than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but, I mean, at the time, they couldn't really comprehend mm-hmm. where things would go. Yeah. And, and I mean... Well, I mean, come on now. Nothing's as bad as the old Spider-Man cartoons where he's shooting at the sky and somehow it's, the web is connecting to something, but there's nothing there. Must have been them clouds. Exactly. Yeah, you know, maybe Galactus' ship is up there all the time. Yeah. That's what he's connecting to. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, critters, watch it. Watch them both. They're yeah. great. They're absolutely great movies. So IMDb rates this one at a 5.2 out of 10. The first film is a 6 out of 10. Whereabouts do you sit on this one? Okay, so I, I will say Critters 1 is a better, this is a superior film. Mm-hmm. Um, Critters 2, I'm going to give it about a 7.5. Really? It eh? is a fun, fun movie. Um, Critters 1, I'm going to give it a, I'm gonna give it an 8. Yeah, an 8 for Critters 1 for me, for sure. Uh, Critters 2... I, there's certain things that I feel were kind of lost opportunities. Again, I do wonder if that had something to do with the lower budget. But for me, it's about a seven, maybe a six and a half, a seven. I don't know if I go that high. I do enjoy the shit out of it, though. Like I've, like I said, I've been watching this movie nonstop for years, um, and I do own all four of them. Like I mean, it's it's not. Like I mean, I, if you want my my rating on three and four, um, I would give three probably a four. And I would give four, probably a three. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're they're not that great. I mean, they're not horrible. Like, I mean, it's not a one. No, they're they're. I'm not I'm not gonna start putting negative numbers in here. They're no, they're not no. that bad. But I mean, no. they're they're not that good either. They're not Catwoman, dude. Exactly. Ooh. Yeah. I never even finished that movie. Well, I did that as my podcast for my other podcast that and batman and robin and put the two against each other catwoman got a 1.5 out of 10 out of me i i i and i gave it the 1.5 simply because the music score to the film was okay not all the musical cues they added into it from like different rap stars i have no clue who they are but the musical score was probably the only redeeming factor of that fucking movie so when i look at critters to me, these are Oscar winners compared to something like that. So, well, yeah, well, okay, I did watch all of Batman and Robin, and I mean, yeah, that's it's a bad movie. It's hard. Don't get me wrong; I've seen worse. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I I actually have watched Batman and Robin all the way through. I mm. couldn't watch Catwoman all no. the way through. No. Um. So I mean, yeah, Critters three and four, they're not awesome movies by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not Catwoman. No. Which is probably my, I would have to say probably my most hated film of all time. I've got a few. North is up there. North yeah. is definitely up there. Um, Highlander 2 is up there. Yeah, that one's up there for sure. Oh, ooh, Highlander 2 is... Yeah, it, it's rough. I know. Yeah. Um, I, I've got quite a few movies that are up there on my... I, I will yeah. not watch. These things are, are wretched, horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible pieces of cinematography. But um, the thing with Critters, the Critters is Critters 3 and Critters 4 are not that bad. The, the thing with the Critters series and hopefully the TV series, should it come to fruition, 
hopefully they go with the same mentality is don't take it seriously. No. And that's what makes those movies magical and makes them work is the fact that they're not taking them seriously. They're meant to be fun. They're meant to be fun. And honestly, anyone who's watching this movie, he's going to try and take, you're watching a movie about space porcupines. Yes. Please do not take this seriously. No. There is nothing serious about a movie about space porcupines. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's meant to be nothing but pure entertainment. It's it's designed to make you laugh and, you know, cringe yeah. at all the at all the silliness of of what happens, you yeah. know. And and they do a great job of it. It's 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 the it's the horror comedy in it, in its finest. Yep. Um, Much like this podcast, don't take it seriously. <laughs> never, never take it seriously. In fact, no. don't take yourself so seriously. No, exactly. You know, uh, live life and live life to its fullest. Because honestly, it's not long enough to be that nope. serious. Nope. And you probably won't live long enough to see all the movies you want to watch. Uh, I know I certainly won't. No. Especially if you want to include TV shows in that. Exactly. Anyways, I think it's about time we wrap this episode up. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Jeff, for being a part of it. Thank you for inviting me. Definitely a lot of fun and a lot easier to record when there's two of us. Um, If you uh, would like to contact the podcast, you can do so uh, several different ways. There's the email, uh, whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. Facebook, facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcastzero. Uh, my most uh, loved uh, social media format, uh, Twitter, uh, at uh, WLB podcast underscore zero, and Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero. And again, thank you everyone for listening. You know, since we were talking about the 80s and all its gloriousness, well, you don't have a, a P.O. box that people can mail letters to you at? No, I was actually thinking of creating a MySpace, though. That's amazing. Right? But isn't that 90s? Uh, 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah, 2000s, yeah. Early well, 2000s. Maybe, maybe late 90s. I need an uh, ICQ. Oh. Didn't they shut ICQ down? I'll I'm revive it. I'm sure they did. I'll revive it. Well, I'll, would... I'll for, hey, if VHS and vinyl can make a comeback, I'll make ICQ have a comeback. <laughs> that would be fun. There you go. But uh, yeah, a lot of ways you can contact the podcast. So. Yep. Yep. So thank you again for listening. And uh, next week, another episode. Not sure what it'll be yet, but we'll figure that out. And anyways, thank you again for listening. Um, again, thank you, Jeff, for being here. Not uh, a problem. I definitely have to it. do this again. And that's about it. So thank you, everyone, and have a great week. Look out for the darkness, hold on to your soul. It's a call of the wild.